630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Hey, welcome to the weekend. Thanks for checking into Inside Sports. I mentioned last night that Thursday evening has become Star Trek Discovery Night for me. Well, of course, Friday is Baby Yoda Night, or as we now know, Grogu. A lot to get to this evening. There is a little more news about the National Hockey League. I guess it's still speculation, but we're hardly starting to hear a little bit more about a new target date and perhaps the number of games in the season. Matthew Barnaby will check in tonight. And we're going to talk to a couple of uh, local pro hockey players who have been playing uh, mainly in the minors, but they're in the Edmonton area trying to stay sharp and uh, wait for the Bakersfield Condor season to start in the American Hockey League. We'll talk to Keegan Lowe, of course, a former Edmonton Oil King as well, and Ryan Stanton, who's hanging out in St. Albert. Really good interview and pleased to talk to Ryan a little bit later on. So we'll have a bit of a theme with those two gentlemen in the second hour of the show. I am happy to hear from you, as always. You can call or text 780-496-0063. My email, insidesports at 630ched.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins. It is R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. Okay, so here's what I can tell you. As we, we know that it's going to be pretty much impossible for the NHL to start the season on January 1st. Perhaps now, and uh, a few reports uh, about this today, and we're going to get to a clip with Elliot Friedman in a couple of minutes, but perhaps a mid-January start, um, perhaps somewhere around January 15th, and maybe more than 48 games. 48 has been often the minimum number that has been discussed. We have have had 48 game seasons a couple of times in the past when we had those lockout shortened seasons. Stoffer and I were talking last night on the show. Bob thought they would could go as low as 40, but probably no lower than that. So basically a half season. But perhaps we're going to get uh, more than 50, certainly more than 48, if we get to a, uh, a mid-February start. And uh, as, as we know, probably a Canadian division and, uh, you know, playing the same teams a lot over and over again. So with a bit of a summary, and this is a pretty good pretty good wrap-up here, Elliot Friedman was on with Bob Stoffer earlier today. Oilers now is on from noon to 2. Elliot was on at 12.30. And here's what he said about the latest on the next NHL season. The league presented the players with uh, two schedules, 52 and 56 games. I think the preference is 56. Um, from what I understand, the teams that didn't make the playoffs last year, they would uh, report for training camp on December 28th. Um, yep. The teams that did make the tra- uh, playoffs last year would report for camp on New Year's Day. Um, the season would start January 15th. Um, and, uh, you know, that's kind of where we're going. And if they can get this done now, still to be, um, you know, the, and I, I believe some teams have it's been kind of hinted to them that they're going to get some clarity in the next few days. So they're really trying at this. They're grinding at this. You know, obviously, I don't, I don't think we really know yet what the story is with some of the financial questions. I had heard that. The, they, they realized the escrow thing was not going to work. I think there is a willingness from players to defer money, so I think that's going to happen. And uh, I think they're going to sort this out. I mean, the biggest question is going to be the, the challenges that COVID is going to present and some maybe of the local markets is going re- to represent. So a 56-game season and a Canadian division 
would mean that the Oilers would play all the other teams nine times each and two teams they'd have to play ten times each. So it would be a bit of a an old-fashioned schedule. In the final few years of the original six, they played 70 games. So you played everybody 14 times. No, I was not covering the league at that point. So you'd see a lot of the Canadian rivalries and and you'd see the same opponents quite frequently throughout the season if they went with 56 games. Obviously with 52, it would be pretty close to that. So Elliot is speculating a December 28th training camp for the teams that didn't make the playoffs last year. Those That's seven teams and they would get four days longer if the other teams would report on January 1st and the games start January 15th. I still wonder if training camp has to be that long. Do we need a 15-day training camp? Most players are going to be in shape. When we have the normal training camp in September, it usually starts September 15th, and there's often an exhibition game already on September 18th or 19th, so the players are ready to go and hopping into games. Clearly, we're not going to have a seven, eight game preseason like we usually would. They'll probably play one or two exhibition games. So I'm wondering if players don't want to come that close to Christmas, if they could come a few days later, maybe into January, and you still start around January 15th, or let's just say sometime in the third week of January. So say between the 15th and the 21st. So we get a little bit more concrete information about the dates today. Of course, it is still primarily speculation, nothing formally announced, but we're getting there. I do believe that there will be a season despite the, uh, the, the bit of the snags we've hit here with the, the players and the owners not totally agreeing on how the money is going to be divided up. So that's that. I can tell you that the NBA put out the first part of its schedule. It, they put out the games from December 22nd to March 4th. They're playing 72 games. So they put out a schedule that gives each team 37 or 38 games, depending on the team. And then closer to March 4th, they'll put out the schedule for the uh, the rest of the season. I wonder if the NHL might do something like that. Maybe if it's uh, teams staying in their regions, they, they won't bother doing that, but they, they could do something like that. So uh, that's what's going on with the NBA. I can also tell you that don't forget tomorrow on esks.com, they have the 50-50 online in support of amateur football. So it'll help the U of A Golden Bears, the Edmonton Huskies, and the Edmonton Wildcats. So that's pretty cool. They did great a couple of weeks ago, raising money for Winifred Stewart Association's Joey Moss Memorial Fund. So now they're hoping to uh, help out the amateur teams, which usually get the 50-50 money for all the home games throughout the season. And uh, a little bit of extra incentive put forward here by the Edmonton Wildcats Whoever wins the 50-50 tomorrow will also get dinner with champions at Chop Steakhouse and Bar. Blake Dermott and Cavis Reed will join the 50-50 winner for dinner. And I believe whenever this happens, there is no date scheduled. The Wildcats aren't going to do it until a lot of the restrictions are lifted and it's uh, safer to gather. So it's, this is, could be several months away. But whenever this happens, I believe I'm going to get to go and uh, and host and maybe do a little bit of a hot stove with those two guys. So that'll be pretty fun. So a little extra incentive for that 50-50 tomorrow. Remember, you get your tickets between 10 and 8 and you go to esks.com to purchase those. Pretty neat story when we get back. We're going to talk to one of the uh, all-time greats from the Canadian Football League, Tony Gabriel. What is Tony Gabriel doing here in the first week of December? Well, Tony Gabriel wants Terry Fox to be on the $5 bill. Now, uh, they they have have, uh, narrowed it down to eight candidates, all great Canadians, uh, but Tony Gabriel is pushing for Terry Fox. He's going to tell you why when we get back. 
right. He wants Terry Fox on the $5 bill, and he's got some great football stories as well. Please welcome back to Inside Sports. Former CFL receiver, a great one with Hamilton and the Ottawa Rough Riders. It is Tony Gabriel. Tony, how are you doing? I'm still standing tall, and uh, another birthday's coming on the way in the 70s, uh, 72. So I'm just uh, pleased to be with you today, Reed. Well, happy birthday a few days in advance. It's nice to have you on the show. You're you're definitely fondly remembered by football fans across the country because, you know, the leading up to the Grey Cup, we were doing a lot of storytelling and, and a few listeners texted in and, and uh, they were remembering a few of your games against the E football team and, and just your career in general. So you are not forgotten as an elite athlete in the league, Tony. Well, looking back, and thanks, Reed, and to all your listeners, uh, I go back to uh, my last game, which uh, of my 11-year career was in the Grey Cup in Montreal and against the vaunted uh, pair Tom Wilkinson and Warren Moon in uh, the Grey Cup of 1981. Well, we talked a lot about that game. For fans here, it's considered one of the most exciting, uplifting games in franchise history. I know your recollection will be a little different. And and somebody actually wrote into me, we're talking about Cutler's Grey Cup, and, and they said, you know, the biggest play in that game might have been Tony Gabriel got a very marginable, uh, marginal offensive pass interference penalty that stopped an Ottawa drive that could have won them the game. Uh, what's your memory? It was... Um about two minutes or so left in the game and you know jc watts was our quarterback um he's now or was an oklahoma congressman down in the states for some years i understood and uh, anyways he had uh, done a great job getting us uh, to the gray cup with a record of five and ten i think of one tie and uh, at the same time um uh, we were, I think, 21-point underdogs. <laughs> a few points uh, uh, needed to uh, beat what, what was a, a great Edmonton team. Uh, the fact is we were uh, uh, up 20-1 to 1 at one time at halftime, and then the score was 23-23 to the play that you and uh, other listeners have talked about called the double interference and uh, in that it was little Gary Hayes as I recall uh, was guarding me and I had a full knee brace that day because I had gotten injured in the Eastern final against Hamilton and in so doing um, in that cold weather, as I recall, I was limping around uh, trying to get open for J.C. Watts, who was scrambling. He throws the ball going to his left, and I'm coming back towards about midfield or so. And uh, Gary Hayes is pulling my jersey and grabbing me uh, with my one arm back. And I was fortunate to catch the ball with one arm (laughs) and cradled the ball in. Well, then the flag comes out and the referee, after the catch is made, 
I said, oh boy, you know, they're going to call interference against uh, Gary Hayes. It turns out uh, they called me for pushing off somewhere along the way, but but I was trying to come back to the ball as you're taught as a receiver. And so I was pleading, as I recall, on one knee to the referee to say, hey, you can't take this away from us. But unfortunately, uh, uh, the, the play was nullified. Uh, we never got closer, uh, close uh, from there. Uh, had we had even one more first down, I swear, Jerry Oregon, our kicker, would have come in and we, uh, as good as Dave Cutler was, Robo, Robo uh, kicker uh, Oregon uh, would have won the game for us, I think. In the end, uh, I think Dave Cutler kicked the uh, ball with about five or six seconds left to win 26-23 for Edmonton. Well, thanks thanks for sharing that. Uh, obviously a controversial call that, that still sticks with a lot of people. Hey, we wanted to have you on because you're, you're doing something pretty cool. I, I want to let you tell it in your own words, but it involves an absolute hero in this country, uh, Terry Fox. Give us the Tell us what's going on here with you and, and Terry Fox's legacy on the $5 bill. I uh, really appreciate this opportunity, Reed, to tell everybody in, in uh, the listening area there that – uh, I met uh, Terry Fox 40 years ago on Canada Day, 1980. He did a ceremonial kickoff when he was coming through Ottawa on his marathon run. And to me, he was always, you know, a, a, a young hero uh, running across Canada on one leg that cost him his life and cancer in the end. And uh, his uh, press agent, um, Bill Vigors, who is still around, told a sports writer, Scott Radley at The Spectator, just, you know, in September, that I inspired Terry back then in, uh, in, in On the Run uh, as a hero to him. And this came around to me in an article uh, where Scott Bradley uh, 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 had discussed, you know, how this helped Terry from Ottawa onwards to have a great following uh, and, and raising a lot of funds for Canadian research, uh, cancer research. And so he came through, I found out, Terry, that is, came through a dozen days later through my hometown of Burlington, Ontario, and uh, on July 13th, and there's a monument up at the marker of 3582, whether that's kilometers or miles, and I, uh, I knew I had to get involved again uh, on Terry Fox Day on September, Sunday, September 20th, uh, with uh, Craig Gardner, the chairman, uh, involving me on uh, the virtual run. And uh, from there, I just thought, you know what? Um, I found out that Terry Fox is uh, on a f- uh, short list of eight left from 600 names initially uh, uh, proposed uh, for the new $5 Canadian bill coming in early 2021. And I uh, just took it upon myself to uh, call uh, Craig and I'm hopefully uh, with your support and uh, Scott Radley's, etc. We just started going live on an, uh, on an e-petition. We need over 500 signatures 
trying to bring this before the government of Canada and in front of Christia Freeland, our finance minister, early uh, in the new year, she'll be making a decision uh, to the final as to the finalists. So far, uh, I must tell you excitedly, Reed, I've got about 188 signatures already. And, you know, what I could do, if you send me an email, I could send you the link forward to you, and then uh, you can pass that on to all your uh, great listeners or somehow there. I would really be appreciative. Well, that's awesome, Tony. Tell you what, I already did that. You can check my Twitter account, and uh, I put a link there to the petition. Tony, thanks for coming on. Have a great birthday. That is Tony Gabriel, CFL legend, and pushing for Terry Fox to be on the Canadian $5 bill. So that's the story behind that. Back after the news and weather. Hope you're having a good night. Tony Gabriel, as a player for the Ottawa Rough Riders back in 1981, his memories of that dramatic game a lot different than they are for fans of the double E football team. And you heard Tony talk about going on a potential game winning drive, making a great catch and then being called for offensive pass interference. It was actually double pass interference though. Tony doesn't think he committed a foul on the play. Eventually kill the drive. Edmonton gets the ball back. They drive down and win it on the kick by Dave Cutler in 1981. Huge discrepancy that year between the two teams, Edmonton 14, one and one Ottawa five and 11. 11 huge favorites going into the game were the green and gold though out of their five in a row that was the closest they came to having the string snap 780-496-0063 is how you can get in touch by calling or texting richard says this is amazing i've been saying for years that we should have terry fox's image on our money i think in fact uh, we should change all of the bills except for the queen on the 20 get all the politicians off in favor of some of the greatest canadians of all time in this instance, could they not put all eight finalists on the $5 bill? I would think so. That is from Richard. And I was like, you can go to the bank of Canada or just search uh, Canadian $5 bill bank of Canada, $5 bill. And it has the finally eight nominees. Um, you know, they include uh, uh, the most highly decorated indigenous soldier in Canadian history. Uh, it includes the first female French Canadian journalist uh, who else do we have here? The first known Chinese Canadian born in Canada. Uh, one of Canada's uh, earliest grassroots humanitarians. Uh, Crowfoot is on the list, the leader of the Blackfoot Confederacy. Uh, Frederick Ogilvy Loft was a Mohawk chief, First World War veteran, and a political and a social activist. I'm just reading some of this off the website. And, of course, Terry Fox on this final list of eight, too. So whether it's Terry or not, a great Canadian who uh, was a significant figure in our country is going to be on the next $5 bill. That, that, that's an interesting idea from Richard. Do we... Do, you know, do we take the politicians off the past prime ministers and maybe put on some other historic figures? And I have to say, from looking at this list, I, I didn't I, I don't know. I've learned a little bit just by reading it today, but I don't know a ton about any of them except for Terry Fox. So I do think putting uh, images of, of great Canadians on money is a nice way to to maybe uh, 
teach all of them. I was going to say the next generation of Canadians, but I mean, heck, I'm middle-aged and I didn't know uh, about uh, about a lot of these people. So yeah, not a bad idea from Richard and whether it's Terry Fox or somebody else, it's going to be a pretty, uh, pretty cool person with a great story going on our $5 bill. Keegan Lowe and Ryan Stanton scheduled to join us a little bit later on. The NHL news today is this. There is uh, now talk and we have a story up on globalnews.ca as well. Uh, a source familiar, or I guess uh, you should say a source f- focusing uh, on their discussions, has told the Associated Press that they're looking at opening play in mid-January. So around January 15th, 52 or 56 games on the schedule. And also talk of this buffer worked into the schedule. So maybe you put it, I'm just going to, pick some dates here maybe you have a schedule that goes until may 1st and then they say the playoffs are going to start may 15th they don't schedule any games between may 2nd and 14th so if there are postponements you can play them in that 10 to 14 day window so edmonton and vancouver a doubleheader gets called off in february you say okay those games are now going to be played may 3rd and 4th and and that's how they're going to make sure they get up to the right number of games this the the canadian the potential of a canadian division it's going to heighten the rivalry so much i I think all the teams are pretty competitive I, i would think ottawa is going to be the weakest team in that division but i don't think they'll be a complete and total patsy and if it is only four teams that get in out of the division, you could have one or even two pretty good teams finishing fifth or sixth and not getting in. And as I was talking about in the last half hour, it is going to be a, a lot of the same opponents. <laughs> I, I, if they play 56 games, you'll have to play a couple of the teams 10 times. So you could have 10 meetings against Calgary, you could have 10 meetings against the Maple Leafs, depending on what teams they pick for the Oilers to play that often. That's something that we haven't seen for a long time. I guess about, uh, when was it? About 15, 16 years ago, they had a format where they went back up to eight, playing inside your division eight times. And that's how it was in the 1980s when you had the Smythe, Norris, Adams, and Patrick divisions. You played everybody in your division seven or eight times. So this this would be even more than that, playing nine or ten times throughout the season. And then potentially two more rounds of playoffs within your division too. Now they haven't said how they're going to do the playoffs. Maybe there'd be some sort of uh, crossover format and maybe like then, and I actually think this is a good idea what the NBA is doing, only doing part of the schedule. And I, I wonder if the NHL might consider that saying, okay, these are the divisions from January 15th to March 15th, but then maybe, maybe if there's a vaccine, if things are safer and they can open it up and have a little bit more traveling, maybe the borders open, then who knows, maybe you could have more traditional Western conference and Eastern conference games, but we do get a little bit more about a date tonight. I, I think we've known for a while. It's not going to be January 1st, even though the NHL hasn't actually come out and said that 52, 56, games players apparently prefer 56 so they get a little more in so the story of course we will keep following and they're gonna to have to announce something pretty soon if they want players who are overseas getting back to canada and the united states for training camps to start potentially december 28th for the teams that missed the playoffs and january 1st for the 24 teams who were in the qualifying round and beyond it's I, I, one question I've been asked a lot over the last two months is, is what's escrow? How does escrow work? I've tried to sum it up best I can. Hart Levine is with Puckpedia and uh, he's from a very uh, numbers and, and money type background. He was on with Bob earlier this week and he explained escrow 
salary deferral and the player's perspective here? Okay, so yeah, the, before the pandemic and everything, obviously escrow has been around. And like we mentioned, it's a 50-50 split um, between of revenues. Half goes to the players, half goes to the owners. Normally, we have a season where we uh, expect what the revenues might be. The players get their contracts. And until all the math and all the tickets are sold and everything counted up for a year or two later, we don't really know what the actual revenue was. And so by putting some money in a pool, an escrow pool, that's how the owners keep some money aside from the player's contract when they figure out what the actual revenue was, take 50% of it, and then typically part of that escrow gets returned to, to get to that 50-50 number. In this case, we know that because they kept the salary cap at $81.5 million, we know even with some what we're talking about with some deferrals or even if there was even some prorating, there's no way that the player's share uh, would be anywhere close to 50%. We're not going to have fans or very few fans. We know this year that the uh, player share is going to be way over 50%. So that basically means the escrow amount, where typically that would kind of be set aside and maybe returned if there's enough revenue. We know this year that the players are losing that 20% um, for good. It's it's almost impossible now for them to get that back. So that 20% is kind of gone. The, the new part with the uh, with the new memorandum in the summer was this deferral. So the deferral is different. The deferral, uh, just kind of like it sounds, the players aren't losing that money. They're just going to get it back. And the way that it was written in the memo from the summer, 10% of the players' uh, base salary and signing bonuses would be deferred, and it would go in a pool, and it would get paid out uh, evenly over three years, starting in, in year three. So, like a third in year three, four, and five. Um, so that that goes off to the side. But the other thing in the memo is that this 20% escrow right now reduces, and in the third year, it's a 10% escrow, um, and then after that, it's a 6% escrow. So I think that players certainly the biggest issue they would have is with increasing the escrow, especially, um, well, obviously, I don't think there's any way they would take a escrow increase this year because that just means lost um, salary that they'll never get back. But even looking at uh, increasing the escrow down the road, again, it's, unless that there's a big TV deal or we get a big recovery, it's quite likely that, that they're not going to get any of that escrow returned because the owners are going to need to keep all of it to get to that 50-50 uh, line. And so, again, I think increasing escrow is probably a, a hill that they, they would die on. They don't want to increase that. More deferral, on the other hand, is a completely different story. As I mentioned, this year it's a 20% escrow. So the way that it works is you have your contract. First, you defer your 10%. Then on the remainder, there's 20% escrow um, that, you're, again, you're going to get withheld and lose. So if you defer more money this year, you're actually moving money from a 20% escrow year into a year with less escrow. Uh, in year three at 10% and after that 6%. So in talking to the agents, they've been, uh, some of them have been chatting with their players and, and with some of the players have realized this on their own and, and some just through the discussion with the agents, they're realizing actually if we kept the, if we don't increase the escrow but we increased deferral, that actually in the end provides more cash over the over the length of this uh, this contract. Like over the, by the time your deferral is paid out over those three years, which would be in years three, four, and five, you actually end up with more cash in your pocket if there's more deferral because you're moving that money out of a 20% escrow year and into a 10 or 6% escrow year. 
All right. So, so a pretty good summary there from Hart Levine from Puckpedia. And as we've talked about several times, the players are much more willing to do a deferral. He explained it than they are to do increased escrow, because if they put increased escrow, they're likely never going to see that money again. So, uh, you know, but some light on the horizon today with reports about the NHL shooting for a mid January start date to the next season. It is quarter to six. We have Keegan Lowe and Ryan Stanton coming up. Kellen, should we do it when we get back? Should we do it earlier today? Yeah, we I, can I, if you want. I, I'm, well, the, the regular time for it or the previous time for it hasn't been working for me. Okay. So uh, we'll, we'll do Name the Animal before 7 as well. Inside Sports on Chet. Baby, I'm playing on you tonight. Hunch you down, eat you alive. Just like animals, animals, like animals. Maybe- I actually think I know this song. Is this Animals by Maroon 5? It is. Nice. All right. Well, we're going to do it now. Uh, we're going to do it now. We've been doing it since Tuesday. Well, well, we may keep doing it in, in the future as well. This was fun. It's called, it, 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 it is oddly fun, even though I'm doing terrible. So on Monday, we were talking about the possibility of calling the football team the Edmonton Elk or Elks. And Kellen played an elk noise. And I was really surprised that that was a noise an elk could make. So then, since then, we've played Name the Animal here on Inside Sports. And Kellen plays an animal noise. And I have to guess what it is. So on Tuesday, it was uh, a cougar. Yes. On Wednesday, it was a raven. And last Mm -hmm. night, this was the noise. And I did a little better after being way off and needing a lot of help on Tuesday and Wednesday, though I still needed help last night. At least I got that it was a mammal right off the hop. And then I was sort of in the general area. I wonder if it was some kind of a puppy, coyote, and it turned out to be a fox. And a couple of texters wrote in and knew what it was. So we're going to do it again. Now, now if again, just to let everybody know, if you help me, this is not a contest. <laughs> we're, not, we're not even going to give you a canned ham for this one. Because we're running a little low, but but you 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 can help me. But all you all you really get is my thanks. There's there's no prize involved, and hopefully you get some sort of bizarre amusement out of this segment. That should that should be the show's slogan. Inside sports, we hope you get some sort of bizarre amusement. That's really the theme of the show. Mm-hmm. Okay, Kellen, we have a you have an animal. You've recorded an animal noise. Yes, yes. Uh, okay, I'm want, ready. Do you want me just to play it? Because I'm just going to play it. Yeah, don't give me any hints. Those okay. haven't. I'll, I'll ask for. I'll sure. ask after, but don't tell me anything ahead of time because it really hasn't helped me. So let's just. I just got to clear my mind mm. and relax and don't overthink it. Um. Uh. All right. Playing it in three, two, and. Well, that's a walrus. Wow. You got it like five seconds that, in. That's a walrus. I actually. <laughs> I got one. You are the Eggman. You are the walrus. Cuckoo, cuckoo. <laughs> I knew it was a walrus. Play that again. That's a great sound. Yeah, I was pretty sure that was a walrus, and I got it. Okay, well, I got one out of four. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad. I, I don't know how I knew that, but as soon as you played it, um, somehow I knew it. it we, we trust me. We do not set this up. Kellen and I no. haven't even seen each other in person for two months since the NHL draft, 
And uh, it, it, yeah, we, we well, now that now that didn't take very long. I don't know what we're going to talk about. No, I'm joking. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was a walrus. I I see. I've um, I was pretty sure it was a walrus or some or something similar. I guess maybe a sea lion, because I've done stories at the Valley Zoo. Oh, okay. Where I've been there, where they've made their their noises, so I knew it was something. I, I guess a sea lion would have been the other thing that possibly could have been along those lines because i think they have sea lions as well at the valley zoo and i they might i don't know if they sound that deep though this is a large walrus though uh this is a video of et who is an a walrus at the point defiance zoo and aquarium in the United States. Uh, he is a 31-year-old Pacific walrus. I'm going to give you all the analytics on a walrus for you here. Well, I want to know more about, <laughs> is, are, are they walruses or walry? No. Wal- walruses, or is the plural just walrus? Uh, the, <laughs> There's a, group, a bunch of walrus. A group of walruses is just that, a group of walruses. So uh, he weighs over 3,400 pounds and is one of only 17 walruses in U.S. zoos and aquariums. And don't forget in, okay, I'm really going to nerd out here. The, one of the creatures that confronted Luke in the cantina scene in the original Star Wars film. Right. Was that guy that had that weird mouth that kind of looked like a little bum. And he was known as Walrus Man. And I believe uh, Obi-Wan came in and... Uh, ended his life yeah which isn't the urban legend behind that is that lucas was looking for more alien type creatures to fill this uh cantina for the scene but they were out of like uh alien costumes or outer space costumes or whatever so they just raided wardrobe and basically said well go into the halloween section and and so that's why you see like werewolf man yeah i don't know it wouldn't surprise me it it wouldn't surprise me but i actually i was as soon as i heard that my mind just went walrus and i just said it and i i amazingly turned out to be right so there's phase one of uh maybe they should call the team the walrus just they could turn the one that they could turn the e on its side. Oh, not so even. It looks like a w. You could even call it the Edmonton Igmen because that's the other name for walrus. That's the name the Beatles called them. Was the Igmen? Okay, well, yeah, there Edmonton you go. Igmen. There you go. <laughs> uh, that's I, I like that sound. See, I, I thought the elk would have been a lower sound, not exactly like that, but more of kind of a bellow like that was. So there we go. We uh, we had a walrus. And now my, uh, really, I have nothing left to achieve. I've mm. correctly guessed a, uh, an animal and named the animal, and it turned out to be the walrus. All right, five minutes before seven, you can get in touch, 780-496-0063. Thank you to the, to the couple of you who have texted in, stunned that I actually knew that. Hey, that's what life experience does for you. Well, you know why it is because uh, I grew up by Evansburg, a lot of walrus out by Evansburg. <laughs> that's, that's, that's why they call it walrus country. A lot of walrus sunbathing on the banks of the Lopstick River. Just everywhere. Just a whole bunch of walry. Okay, we got a bit of a blue liner theme, bit of a Bakersfield Condor theme coming up in the next hour of the show. We're going to catch up with Keegan Lowe, the former Edmonton Oil King, and uh, Ryan Stanton, who's hanging out in St. Albert, getting ready for the next hockey season to start. going to go listen to some more walrus music. And then we're back after the news and weather.
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.